Hey there, true believers, and welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that takes complex theological ideas and breaks them down into points of simply understanding. I am your host, Pastor Vinny. And I'm the podcaster that likes to remind you, when life throws a monkey wrench at your head, Jesus is still the Logos, the logic, the reason, the word that builds your faith all the way back to the kingdom of God. Hey there, true believers. How is 2021 treating you? Let me know. You are now in 2021, but I am back in 2020 still. I'm recording this on December 14, 2020. So you are actually in the future, which is your present. And I'm in the past, which is your past, but... I'm talking to you in the future, so maybe I'm in the future. No, I'm not in the future. I'm in the past. You're in the future. This gets confusing pretty fast. But no matter how you see it, you're ahead of me, and I'm still back here. I mean, literally, I have no idea what has happened in these few weeks because for me, it is December 14th, and for you... It is at least January 6th. It could be much later than January 6th, 2021. And that kind of brings me to an interesting thought in an interesting sort of theological exploration. Humans exist in linear time, but Jesus makes some pretty bold claims about himself. For example, in the book of Revelation, written by the Apostle John on the island of Patmos, the last book in the biblical canon. John is speaking of a vision he has of Jesus in chapter 1, and Jesus declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, that's an interesting description that Jesus gives of himself to John on the island of Patmos. In other words, Jesus is saying, one of the things Jesus is saying, he's saying a lot of things, and I don't want to take any of it out of context because I'm just making a point about time here. Jesus is saying that he is in control of all time. He is the beginning and the end. By the way, alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet, and omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. So he's saying that he is the beginning of all spoken word and the end of all spoken word. He is the beginning and the end. He is the one who is. He currently does exist. He is the one who was. He was in the past, kind of like I'm in the past, but I am in the future with you now, just not at the same time. Again, it gets confusing. He, the one who is, he is the one who was, and he is the one to come. He's still coming. He is the Almighty. 
We are waiting for Jesus to return, right? I am waiting for Jesus to return. I hope you are. If you're not, I hope that you will join me in that process of waiting for Jesus to return. Now, I bring this up because some people struggle about their understanding of Jesus in terms of when did he come into being and who is he? And, you know, do we put him on the same level as God the Father? So if we could, let's just take a little bit of time today and it's the beginning of the year and we're thinking about time anyways. We're thinking about the passage of time. By the way, you're six days into the new year. How many resolutions have you broke? <laughs> Shoot me a, a tweet and let me know how's the new year going and have you broken any of your resolutions yet? You know, when you think about it, Jesus knew when you made those promises at the beginning of the year, maybe New Year's Eve, maybe New Year's Day, you know, there's this sort of traditional of making these resolutions and hoping that you can stick with them throughout the year. You know, that that gets tricky. But if you think about it, every promise you've ever made yourself or somebody else, Jesus knew when you made it if you would keep it or not. Now, let's not get too confusing because these things can get confusing. But we assume that we are in linear time because it's the only way we understand time. Again, for me, it is December 14th, uh, 2020, and it's 2.31 p.m. Um, for you... It is at least after January 6, 2021. That is a linear line. That is linear time. Linear time goes from basically point A to point B. You know, I'm born and I reach my first year and I move forward. I become a teenager. I become an adult. I become a middle-aged person. I become, you know, elderly that's linear time. It's the passage of time in sequence. Yeah, so theologians have not always agreed that um, God has existed in linear time. Augustine of Hippo in the 3rd and 4th century, I think was the first one to suggest that God may have dwelt in what was timelessness. Now, this has been debated in both philosophy and religion for, like, the beginning of time to sort of uh, make a pun. The thing I would just want to say about this is we do not know how God experiences time. The Bible does give us some indications that the passage of time for God is different than us. The Bible says that, a thousand years for us is but a day to God. And yet it also says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever you believe about the timelessness of God or if God experiences time in a linear fashion, we would want to make a theological distinction. And that theological distinction would be that 
foreknowledge, the ability to know what is going to happen before an event happens is a, an ability that God has. It is an ability that Jesus has. Has he been there and done it already in sort of a science fiction-y kind of time-traveling kind of way? Or does he just have foreknowledge of what will happen? Those are more minute theological debates and not really what I want to get into, but I did want to whet your appetite and let you know that those sort of debates are out there. But I want to draw us back to Revelation 1 and verse 8, where Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he who is, he who was, and who he who is still to come, I am the Almighty. And then if we think about it and we drop back down to, let's say, Revelation 1, verse 17, when I saw him, this is John referring to seeing Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then... He placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. And that literally means death and the grave, right? He was the first and the last. He says he's the living one that was dead. And now look, I am alive and I am alive forevermore. I have the keys to life and death. You see, this is a really good theological path to think about for a minute. How God experiences time and how Jesus experiences time is more of a philosophical thought than so much a deep biblical study. Jesus does make bold claims, though, and those bold claims probably exist on that framework someplace. But more important, what Jesus is saying to us is we don't need to fear the future. We don't need to fear the future. We don't need to fear the past. We live in the present, and that's an important thing to keep track of. You know, in my work in mental health, when I was a mental health counselor, you know, a lot of depression comes from people living in the past. They're not living in the present. They're not planning for the future. They are often trapped by the emotional baggage of their very own past. And the inability to get over their past is something that traps them and leaves them reliving it, maybe almost in a post-traumatic way, or maybe just in a way that there's this feeling that something is all sort of wrong and could go wrong at any time because it did in the past. The opposite spectrum in that is that people sometimes live in the future. And what happens when you live too much in the future? 
when you live too much in the future, you're prone to experience anxiety. Why do you experience anxiety? Because you can't control what's going to happen next. And you begin to worry about what's going to happen next. If 2020 was so bad, oh, what's 2021 going to do? Ah, oh, you know, you know, and you just worry about things like, and you know, there are different degrees of which people worry about things, right? And, you know, some of it's healthy, you know, planning for the future, keeping track of the direction things are going in. That's all healthy, good stuff, right? But to live in the future is to be preoccupied with the future to the point that you forget what's happened in the past and you don't really focus on the present. Now, people who just focus on the present are sort of like, are sort of like I don't know they're 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 missing the richness of where they came from and the accumulation of the experiences they have they've not yet processed the trauma and joys of the past and so they're unable to embrace or conceptualize a better tomorrow and so they just focus on right now what they can control and so sometimes it becomes about control but Jesus said that he is the God who is the Alpha and the Omega the one who is the one who was and the one who will be the one that will come he said do not be afraid I am the first and I am the last I am the living one I was dead and now look I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys to life and death. So, when Jesus makes the claim that he's first, he's making the claim that he is God. And that's the first thing I wanted to talk to you about. Jesus Christ is our devotion, right? That's the whole purpose of this podcast. Jesus Christ is the great love affair of our life. Jesus Christ is the great focus of our spirituality. Jesus Christ is the answer to our problems and our development and our enrichment, not just to any life, but to a better life or an abundant life, as he says in John chapter 10, verse 10. And for all of that to be true, he must be God. Now, many people get confused about, is Jesus Christ, like, how long has he existed? Has he always existed? You know, why don't we see him until, like, you know, Luke or Matthew, and we hear about the birth of Jesus? Like, what was he doing in the Old Testament? Well, he was in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament didn't fully exegete out the different persons in the Trinity. It just talked about God in the general sense of his personal name, Yahweh. And we could do a podcast on God's name, Yahweh, if you would like. There's lots to learn about that and what it might have meant and didn't mean. So shoot me a tweet if you want to learn more about that. But basically, the Old Testament is a unified picture of God, and it doesn't mean that Jesus isn't there. Who do you think was talking to Moses 
Jesus is the Word. And that's the point I want to make. Now, I want to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and see that Jesus is the Word. He is the spoken part of God and always has been. I like to call John chapter 1, verse 1, the second in the beginning, because remember, this is how Moses started the Torah in the book of Genesis. In the beginning was God. And so I don't find it to be coincidental or happen chance that John starts this gospel opening with, in the beginning was the word. Moses said, in the beginning was God. John, a Jew, picks up this idea that he would have studied as a little boy in the rabbinical schools that in the beginning was God, and he applies it directly to Jesus. As we unfold this text, we will see that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the word was God, and the word was in the beginning. The word was God, and the word was always there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing that has been made was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So in the beginning, the Word was there. That's clear from John chapter 1, verse 1. It's also clear from that same verse that he was both with God and was God. So he was within the Trinity, within the Godhead, but also still fully God himself. In fact, how much fully God himself? John says it. It's so much fully God himself that nothing that happened, no act of creation that happened, happened without him. Same chapter, in the interest of time, jumping down to verse 14, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. The word, the same word that was in the beginning, the same word that was with God, and the same God word that was God, the word, in 14, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this word who was always with God and was there in the beginning and was God and who all things has made that have been made have been made through is the word that became flesh, is the God that became flesh. He is the Son who we have seen his glory. This, of course, is Jesus Christ. You can find this theme continued that Jesus is both God and that Jesus always existed 
in the same gospel, John, this time in chapter 8. In chapter 8, a dispute breaks out between Jesus and some Jews, some, some leaders of the Jews, you know, and they're accusing Jesus because, you know, he's casting out demons and they're all upset about this and this all comes into a big argument. And and now they're like, you know, don't tell us, Jesus. We know what's right. You know, are you greater than Abraham? You know, Abraham is the one who gave us our faith. Are you saying you're greater than Abraham? And Jesus in verse 58 just nails it. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And 59, verse 59, immediately says, so they picked up stones to throw at him. The reason they picked up stones to throw at him is because he had just made a claim to divinity. Well, first, I mean, no human alive at the first century, the time of Jesus, was alive when Abraham was alive. That would, like, make you, like, I don't know, 2,500-some years old of if I'm estimating it, but but more so than saying that before Abraham I existed, what Jesus is actually saying is, before Abraham was, I am. And I am is the name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. Now, these Jews know exactly what Jesus is saying when Jesus calls himself the I Am. When Moses asked God at the burning bush, if you want me to go and tell the Israelites that I am going to liberate them out of Egypt, they're going to laugh me out of town. And so what am I going to tell them? And God is like, yeah, no, no, no. It's not about you, Moses. You you go tell them that I sent you. And Moses like, you know, I don't even know who you are. And God's like, I am. I am the I am. I am the existence. I am what I am. And so, again, not to get too much into God's personal name at the moment, but basically God is making the claim to Moses that he's always what there is. There's nothing without him. And so when Jesus says before Abraham, I am, every Jew in that crowd knows exactly what he's saying. He's saying, I am God. I am Yahweh. I am the word become flesh. I am the one that always existed. Nothing has existed without me. I am the I am. I am the first. I am the last. But what about the present? Okay. So, so far, we see in the book of Revelation that Jesus makes the claim that he has always existed and he will always exist into the future. And so far, we have established the claim that he was the God that was always there all the way back from Genesis 1-1. We established that both from John 1-1 and from John 8. There are many more places we could establish that, but this podcast can only be so long. I invite you to your own personal study. But what about the present? 
is Jesus the God of the present or just the God of my past who has always been there? But, you know, and I, I can get that he's the God of the future, although we'll talk again about that in a minute. But, but how is God, how is Jesus the God of the present? You know, it's kind of like Janet Jackson said, what have you done for me lately, right? That's the point. Like, it's great that you've always been there. It's great that you'll always be there. But what about now, Jesus? What, what are you going to do for me now? Well, in John 16, now it's the same gospel. You can just flip eight chapters over into 16. In John 16, Jesus, in this conversation, ties both his future and present to yours. In talking about the prophecies that he had given his followers so that they may know what would happen to them, he skillfully ties together what he is doing now and how that relates to the future. After recapping for his followers some of the prophetic events that are going to happen in the future, he assures them that the reason that he told them about things in the future and that prophecy would be fulfilled and how it would be fulfilled was so that they may know now, right? and that they would remember in the future. But when would they know? Now. I have told you this in verse 4 of chapter 16. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this from the beginning when I was with you. But he was telling them this now before he went back to the Father. The same is true. For you now. Jesus has lots of things to tell you. I assure you, no matter what level of a Christian you've grown to be or how mature you think you are or how long you've been in the church, if you're a deacon or an elder or a bishop or a pastor or denominational leader, whatever your role may be, I assure you that Jesus still has things to tell you now and that these things that he has to tell you now, when they come to fulfillment in your life, will be further evidence of the fact that he is who he told John he said he was, the first and the last. Where do we get our word from God now? Where do we get our word from Jesus now? Well, John told us, didn't he? The word became flesh. He told us, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing was made that wasn't made through the Word. In other words, Jesus is the spoken or the spokesman for God. Jesus is the one that came into the world to tell us about what his father was like and what eternity would be like. So we hear from Jesus now when we study the word. 
We hear from Jesus now when we dedicate ourselves to understanding the Word of God. Not just the Gospels. I mean, the four Gospels are incredible, and they are worthy of our detailed focus. My favorite of the four is the Gospel of John, which I've been quoting from a lot today, but all three of the Gospels are absolutely incredible. But the Word is more than just the spoken Word that Jesus said on the earth. It was Jesus, and now we're going to go a little bit deeper Trinitarian and not go too deep because we could do a whole podcast on the Trinity another time, but it was Jesus moving through those prophets of old, through the Holy Spirit, that was impressing upon them conviction. Now, Jesus also says that it's the role of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin and righteousness. So the Holy Spirit was the one coming into the world and convicting prophets, but the ideas that were being expressed through the Holy Spirit were the word, the testimony, the prophecy that was there from the beginning, the things that would come to pass to prove that the word is who the word said the word was. Now, Jesus was also probably the one speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai. I don't know because the Old Testament doesn't differentiate from a New Testament perspective the Trinitarian roles because in the Old Testament, the um, prophets and, and writers could not have conceptualize the idea of Trinity. There had not been the birth of the Son into the world yet. They had no concept of such things. So God just uses his name, Yahweh, often just capitalized in our modern Bibles as Lord in all caps. But it could have been that in probably was Jesus the part that was speaking because as we saw from John that is his part both creating and speaking things into existence and sending his messages through the Holy Spirit who I also believe is fully God and we will talk about that in another podcast but Jesus was that word that spoken part of God now, why does this all matter, and why have we been on this long trail to point out that Jesus knows the past, Jesus knows the future, and Jesus has a word to us here in the present? There is a reason. Because the year 2020 was a just a, a horrifically brutal year, and it's it was just something that, you know, it, it's hard to think about, but if you think back over time you you would you would think that like this time last year we would never have dreamed the events of 2020 were even possible like if you would have been told there's a pandemic coming and you know you know we're going to be all locked up in our houses people are going to lose their job you know people are going to die and you know America's going to be shut down and you would have heard all those things in in 2020, you wouldn't have believed them, but now they are reality that we live through and are still living through. 
that might make you a little bit nervous for 2021. Something changed last year in March. Something changed last year in March that we may not ever get back. And that was the presumption that modern science protects us and modern technology protects us and modern systems of governance protects us at a level that natural phenomenon cannot get a hold of us. We've lived behind the presumption that we are so advanced that we can control anything in our environment where we don't take serious uh, health threats. We don't take serious care for our bodies. We don't even take serious threats of war or or poverty. We don't take serious the needs of children. There are so many things we just became accustomed to because we thought that at the end of the day, you know, we're civilized, we're advanced, and Everything, you know, everything's going to be fine. And if, if a problem comes, we have infrastructure to protect us or to reset the clock or whatever our thinking was. But the truth of the matter is we have now learned that we've lost a little bit of our innocence. And by innocence, I mean ignorance. And by ignorance, I mean presumption, not you know, crude or rude ignorance, just presumptive ignorance. In other words, we're more awake today than we were last year at this time. That may make us a little bit more prone to live in the past or to be anxious about the future, to long for the past or to be anxious about what's next and to fail to live correctly in the present and to waste the present. And the way you waste the present is to do nothing and to be crippled by what happened in the past or the fear of what happens in the future. And this is why we've been on this whole talk about back to the future because I don't know what is in the future. I can know what's in the past because we have good history and we can study history and we can study archaeology and we can unlock the mysteries of the past and we can study what's happening now through political science and social science and psychology and soft sciences and all that sort of thing. But nobody knows the future. All we can do is predict the future, but there is one. Who knows the future. And while we could have those theological conversations, but they just generally get confusing about has he been to the future or can he just foresee the future and did he foreordain the future? All those things are another podcast at another time. But this is my first podcast in 2021 to you. And I want to assure you, I do not know the future, but I do know the God who knows the future, and the God who knows the future has always been God. Always. And always will be 
God. And I do know that he is worthy of our devotion. I do know that he is worthy of our focus. I do know that whatever is going to happen this year, there's going to be big news stories. We're going to be scared. We're going to focus on them. There's going to be political unrest because, hey, that's just the way we roll now. There's going to be problems. Are you going to focus on the problems or are you going to focus on the I am? I am, Jesus said, the Alpha and the Omega. I am who is, who was, and who is to come. I am the Lord God Almighty. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I have the keys of death and the grave. In other words, what are you afraid of? Don't be afraid of 2021. Yes, I'm preaching to the choir, and I'm a member of that choir that I'm preaching to. We have faith. We are people of faith, but we also have fears because we are human. And that's why I just love that Jesus comes to us and says, do not be afraid. By the way, did you know that the phrase do not be afraid, appears in the scripture 365 times. Now, I'm not going to get into all that except for to say, hey, once a day, God is saying to you this year, do not be afraid. I am the first. I was there from the beginning. I'll be there at the end. I am the last. I am the living one that was dead. Now look, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys to let people in and out of death and the grave. Why are you afraid? No matter what happens this year, even if death happens this year, when you have Jesus, it's not the end. When you have Jesus, it's even death is not something to fear. Jesus is assuring us. He not only knows our future, he is prepared for our future. And he is ready to engage us at that future. I love the picture of Jesus that is depicted in the book of Revelation, particularly the first and second and third chapter. In fact, I really do plan at some point to make a whole season of my podcast simply focusing on Jesus in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. That said, the description of what Jesus is 
doing in the book of Revelation in chapter 1 really helps me get through the now, the present. Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. Verse 14, the hair on his head was white like wool and white like snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Verse 16. In his right hand, listen to verse 16. In his right hand, in his right hand, he held the seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. Now, going down to verse 19. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. Again, the present and the future. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Did you get it? Did you pick it up? Do you understand this ferocious God with blazing eyes of fire and feet of bronze in this blistering sort of sound of a voice that's like rushing waters. This wise God who has been from the beginning with white snowy hair. This God who has the double-edged sword in his mouth, which is a reference to the book of Hebrews being the word of God. The one who is so bright that he shines like the sun. When John turns and sees him, he's walking among the candlesticks. He's walking among the churches. He's walking among you and me. And in his right hand are the seven angels, the seven ministering spirits that he's going to give and talk about here in the book of Revelation to let the future be known to all. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? God knows the future. Jesus knows the future. Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen in 2021, and he has the prophetic messages in his right hand, and he's handing them to you and saying, I got this. I got this. Do not be afraid. And so I say to you, do not be afraid. Our God, he got this. 
You have been listening to a podcast by Pastor Vinny McIsaac from simplyvinny.com. Stop by our website, check out our blogs, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, all that kind of jazzy promotional stuff. But most important, let's keep growing together in Jesus Christ all the more as we see the day of his return approaching. See you at the next podcast. God bless.